My name is Alexandra Fox, and this is the Compass Rogue podcast. My co-host, Christian Tomasco, and I are business partners, and we are co-owners, co-clinical directors of Compass Rose Counseling and Consultation in Washington, D.C. Tonight, we will be talking about anxiety, and um, we encourage anyone experiencing um, many mental health crises uh, to reach out to mental health professionals, either by calling uh, 911-988 or um, their local mental health agency. Um, if you have any questions about mental health, um, and we will, we are more than happy uh, to try and answer those questions for you. Shoot us an email at compassroguedc at gmail.com. Uh, without any further delay, um, here is the episode. I hope you enjoy. Thank you. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Compass Rogue podcast. Tonight's episode is entitled Anxiety. And quite frankly, I'm having a little bit of anxiety about this episode tonight. Why are you having anxiety? That was just a joke. Okay. Moving on. There's no humor in therapy, is there? Okay. Uh, Alex, do you want to kind of kick us, or not kick us, but kick off the, (laughs) don't kick us. But kick off the uh, the episode tonight with your thoughts about this particular topic, because this is a topic, ladies and gentlemen, that we have been uh, planning to uh, talk about for quite quite a while. In our in our previous uh, podcast episode uh, episodes, we have mentioned anxiety. We've alluded to anxiety. Right. But it was not the central topic of the previous podcast episodes. Tonight, we will be focusing ex- focusing exclusively on anxiety, defining it, right? Um, talking about the way in which it manifests in different symptoms, um, how it can be effectively managed, and kind of uh, what exactly anxiety is. Where does it come from? Is it natural? Is it healthy? What do we do with it? It's because we all experience anxiety as human beings, right? Um, the question is, how do we manage it? Good question. Yeah. Um, so, uh, in discussing the podcast, you said, let's get back to basics. Let's start with the basics. And uh, anxiety is a very basic, very straightforward concept yep. um, that people are very familiar with in their daily lives. And when we get queries from people um, online or calls, you know, um, anxiety is at the top of the list of concerns that yeah. people have. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a salient topic. It's a, a very familiar, um, near and dear topic to myself. I know you have a little bit of anxiety yourself. Yeah. Um, I'm going to stop drinking the wine because I don't think it's settling. I get most stomach. anxious when my bottle of whiskey is empty. That's when I experience <laughs> the most anxiety. Yeah. When the bottle of Glenlivet or the bottle of Lagavulin or the bottle of Laphroaig Ooh, is empty. Did you like the Lagavulin? It was amazing. Okay. Thank you. Alexandra bought me a bottle of Lagavulin 16 year for my birthday. It lasted about, I don't know, maybe almost 24 hours, but just kidding. It lasted a good week. It was quite delicious and amazing. Thank you again. You're welcome. Um, my birthday was earlier this month. I'm 44 now. Getting old. Wow. And so the topic of our next uh, Compass Road podcast will in fact be erectile dysfunction. Just kidding. I'm an expert on that topic now. Just kidding. All right. Not really. Okay. Um, so I'd speaking like, of anxiety. Yeah. So I'd um, like to start. Well, I did admit I have a little anxiety a minute ago. So it's manifesting now in rapid speech and sweating palms. And erectile dysfunction. And erectile dysfunction. <laughs> yes. So, so, so Alex brought up a really, said something very important uh, a few minutes ago. Uh, she mentioned how pervasive anxiety is. And uh, she's absolutely right. I mean, the vast majority of the clients who contact us every day for we, we get emails and calls from prospective clients every single day asking for therapeutic services. And uh, I'd say the, the most we both agree that the most common, um, uh, I guess, request is therapy to help treat anxiety. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a very pervasive problem. Uh, in our society, elevated anxiety, uh, and how to properly and effectively manage it. Now, there's a difference between experiencing elevated anxiety and having an anxiety disorder. And we'll talk about that later in the podcast. But uh, first, I think we want to make it clear just how common uh, a problem uh, managing anxiety is. Most people struggle with it. We all struggle with it from time to time. Right? And so yeah. learning how to manage your anxiety is kind of a basic component, a foundational component of maintaining good mental health. Yeah, being a human being yeah. that, that is functional. Um, yeah. uh, anxiety. I was thinking about this the other day because mm-hmm. um, I knew we were going to be doing this and talking about anxiety. And I probably didn't do as much, um, you know, preparation as I could have. Yeah. But I remember I was thinking, what was the first time that I ever heard the word anxiety? It mm. was like I went back, I went way back wow. into the eighties. Wow. Um, Pat Benatar had a, a song. Love is a battlefield. No, it was. Sorry. I mean, that causes anxiety. Yeah. But it, that is not in fact the song. Sorry. I, I think she had a, a an album cover in which she was wearing a straight jacket. Her hair was all wacky and she, and it said like, um, anxiety. I think the song was anxiety. I don't know, but, but yeah, it was interesting. I never actually, um, I'd never heard the word prior to that. Yeah. And I can't say, I'm pretty sure I had had anxiety as a child, but Mm. I never, I didn't conceptualize it until, the Pat Benatar album. Yeah. And I think our society, um, our culture, that was kind of the beginning of talking about anxiety. Yeah. Um, and she she actually came out and, and talked about anxiety. I'm like, I have anxiety. Okay, yeah. what's anxiety? Yeah. Um, so... At, at that moment, at that time, did you have any sort of... Con- could you Did you have any semblance of an idea of what anxiety was? If someone had asked you 
to describe or explain what anxiety is at that time? What did it mean to you? Well, I think it's kind of a scary word. Just the word anxiety gives me anxiety. Yeah. I think that the fact that she was in a straitjacket and, you know, and her hair was kind of crazy and, but her legs were lovely. Yeah. Um, You know, she She did have great legs and they were crossed over and she's in a padded room, but she was, she was gorgeous despite wearing a straitjacket and not that a straitjacket isn't pretty. I'm Mm. not saying that. But um, I think but the picture that was meant to evoke the picture was meant to feelings evoke, of loss, yeah. of, a loss of control. Well, and and I think starting to characterize those feelings as being crazy, yeah, is is not great. Yeah. I, I think for that foundation um, yeah. of oh, you're feeling anxiety, you're feeling emotionally uh, fraught in some way. Well, then you're going to be wearing a straitjacket. So like, to me, it wasn't a great association, right? Because then when I started to have actual anxiety, um, a few years after that, um, you know, and I was able to verbalize it, um, then, you know, then there's this feeling that there's something wrong with you. When in fact, there, there really honestly isn't, there is in the sense that it impacts how you function, but because everybody has it in some way, it doesn't have to negatively impact you as long as you um, learn to manage it. <coughs> and othering people, we've talked about this before, othering people that are experiencing mental health symptoms, uh, I, I think tends to exacerbate the symptoms. And we've said this before, I've said this before, that um, one of my jobs as a therapist is to universalize someone's experience. So I have so much experience talking to you know, a wide range of people uh, with varying degrees of, of uh, issues, concerns that I can share, of course, anonymously, you know, privately, um, sort of abstractly, I can say, you know, interestingly enough, you know, I may say to somebody, I was talking to a client yesterday about the same topic. And what they were saying very closely mirrors what you're saying about the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you know, I just want you to know you're not alone. Right. So putting somebody in a straitjacket on an album cover and, you know, titling it anxiety, Mm -hmm. that's just, you know, whatever it's, it's, it's an album cover. It's Pat Benatar. It was the eighties. The eighties are so different than, than the, the 2000s. But but, but I think it, it, it was reflective of how society at that time thought about mental illness, specifically anxiety, mm-hmm. right? As something kind of scary, right? To something mm-hmm. that uh, could uh, lead to you losing your mind and, yeah. and, and forcing you to, uh, uh, forcing you into perhaps uh, uh, a psychiatric facility where you need to wear a straitjacket, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, now, anxiety can uh, lead to uh, an elevated anxiety, right, over an extended period of time it can lead to a psychotic break, right? So it's not, uh, it, it's not exactly in- or entirely incorrect. But I think the imagery was reflective of how, of just how much society misunderstood uh, uh, anxiety and, and mental health in general at yeah, that time. Right? Yeah. Um, anxiety itself <laughs> is not a mental illness or a diagnosis, right? I mean, it, it is a diagnosis, but it's, um, you know, generalized anxiety or anxiety due to medical condition. Yeah. You know, panic disorder, all that stuff. Yeah. Well, what I, what I meant was there are anxiety disorders 
And then there is just anxiety itself. So anxiety itself, I, I, I tell my clients this all the time. Anxiety is, is the human mind's fight or flight response. That's all it is. Anxiety in and of itself is not unhealthy. It's not a mental illness, right? When anxiety uh, elevates to a certain level past a person's individual threshold or capacity for managing anxiety, then it becomes unhealthy, right? And if that happens often enough, uh, oftentimes unconsciously, and the person can't control it, that means the person may very well, right, have an anxiety disorder, right? Mm -hmm. But an anxiety disorder, like generalized anxiety, for example, or social anxiety disorder, uh, that's not the same as just experiencing basic anxiety. We all experience anxiety. Again, it's the mind's, human mind's fight or flight uh, response. So when you encounter a dangerous situation, right, or circumstance, you experience anxiety. It's your mind's way of telling you you're in a, da- a potentially dangerous situation. So you'll have to either fight your way out or flee. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, and that's yeah. that's healthy, that response. Right. Because it helps to keep us alive away from danger, safe. Right. Uh, but the problem is, is that in everyday society, in modern society, people experience anxiety because they're in stressful situations and they don't know how to manage it. They don't know how to respond to it <laughs> so that they can get back to their uh, their their steady state or their baseline. Right. Uh uh, and so, but it's important to understand what anxiety is. In and of, anxiety in and of itself is not unhealthy. Right? Well, no, it's just a, a normal, uh, our, our, our nervous system Correct. Is, is built in order to protect us. Correct. That we are the um, survivors of, you know, <laughs> bazillion years. I don't know. Bazillion. Yeah. We are the uber survivors. We have, sur- our people have survived so much. Yeah. We're the product of people evolving to this very uh, highly attuned reactive state, yeah. um, which has benefited us for our survival. Yeah. Um, so we have a negativity bias. That yeah. is that is what people have. And that's why we've gotten here. If you're in a, I think I've said this before, you're, you're in a field of poppies, the, the sun is shining, the sky is blue, bunny rabbits are hopping around you. If a lion comes into your peripheral vision, oh, oh, what are you going to focus on? Well, all of your attention is going to go toward the negative thing, toward the thing that could negatively impact you because that could harm you. You could die. So we, we are wired um, to have anxiety and anxiety is a gift and, and it, you know, we need it. It's a survival Um, mechanism. It's a survival mechanism. And, and it, on so many different levels and so many different contexts, um, I think as humans, Oh God, we're just, we're disabled. I mean, it, I really sometimes wish I was just a, a dog <laughs> my dogs are so simple it would be a simpler life that's <laughs> for damn so sure simple but with humans you know they're we were talking about this earlier a little bit you know nuanced um behaviors we detect threat we're I think the problem with um <sighs> the problem with our minds there's a lot wrong with our minds okay but but as it pertains to anxiety, as it pertains to anxiety, we can misinterpret um, or misperceive 
things that are nuanced and end up having a lot of anxiety. And it's not as straightforward as I'm going to get hit by a car or there's a lion standing next to me. Somebody's tone can change. And all of a sudden you have a fight or flight response because that may indicate that something has changed in the relationship. Something has changed in, um, you know, and, and you might be negatively impacted. And so you're bracing and you're, you know, you get a flood of adrenaline or whatever. So I, it, it's. But the point is when human beings feel threatened in any way, yeah. shape or form, right? When but we this feel. This is where it gets really. When we're, when yeah. we're stressed out, right? It, it, our, our anxiety elevates and it has, and it manifests in physical symptoms, right? That are difficult to manage, difficult to control and can impair our thinking, our judgment and our ability to function, right? But. Before we get into that, we just want to make it clear to our listeners, uh, all four of them, that uh, anxiety in and of itself is not unhealthy, okay? And we can't underscore that enough. If you're experiencing anxiety every so often, the night before, I don't know, a big exam, or uh, when you st- right after you start in, in the days following, uh, you starting a new job, that is a healthy level of anxiety, right? With, with every sort of situation in life in which you want to do your best and you're afraid of failure, uh, uh, you're afraid of messing up or making a mistake, you're going to feel anxiety, right? That's well, the... stress is a, uh, a very important component yeah. of learning. Str- well, right? st- stress and anxiety, our minds are, 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 are uh, wired and constructed to experience <laughs> stress and anxiety so that we will achieve, succeed, and survive, yeah. right? Again, anxiety is nothing, feeling anxiety is nothing more than our minds fight or flight response in and of itself it's not healthy it's not a bad thing so it it can well let me just say this it can motivate us to stay focused to work harder and to get things done right and to perform well under pressure in difficult situations anxiety that's healthy that's a good thing so if you know how to manage your anxiety right it can benefit you anxiety becomes a problem when it elevates past a person's individual threshold and everybody has their own individual threshold for anxiety. It varies from person to person. Some people have a very low stress tolerance. Other people have a very high stress tolerance, right? So uh, when anxiety becomes a problem once it exceeds a person's individual threshold, right? And it's important to identify what, what your threshold is for anxiety. But once your anxiety elevates past that threshold, it starts to have a debilitating impact and effect, and it can start to work against you. So instead of it motivating you to stay focused and productive, it can paralyze you. It can distract you. You can shut down. And so learning how to, learning, understanding what anxiety is and why you're experiencing it and learning how to respond to it in a healthy way and manage it when it arises can prevent it from going past your threshold and debilitating you. That's why this is such, that's why managing anxiety is such an essential skill for maintaining good mental health. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so now, people with anxiety disorders are people who experience anxiety uh, at extreme levels, right, all the time and, and oftentimes uh, every couple of days, every once a week, right? And when it happens, uh, they have difficulty controlling the elevation of the anxiety. Well, it has to impair functioning in order to, um, you know, get well, the, yeah, I mean, the that's, label, right? That's my point. So- it elevates past a, a person's threshold. So, and as a result, impairs their ability to function optimally, right? right? Mm, yeah. And that can manifest in all kinds of different ways, right? Uh, uh, but if that is happening to a person several days a week, 
right? Uh, every other day. Um, that is likely the sign. Those are symptoms and signs of an anxiety disorder. But I would argue um, that anxiety, we can categorize it as a disorder because it impairs functioning. But honestly, when you drill down into anxiety, and this is where therapy comes in, right? Um, Because anxiety medication itself is really not... um, not generally useful by itself there there's a lot that is uh that's just the tip of the iceberg. i think it depends on the anxiety medication you use so for example i use anxiety i take anxiety medication it's called glenn levitt um and whenever i take this medication it really helps to alleviate my anxiety and calm me down i think it's pretty effective well, I'm but glad so, you found something that works for you. That was a joke, ladies and gentlemen. Glenn Levitt is the name of my favorite whiskey. Uh, now I'm too drunk to. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I okay. So you were, you were going to talk about anxiety disorder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I don't think that anxiety is without its. Um, we talked about its functionality. Yeah. Right, like it. It serves to protect us. Mm-hmm. Not only does it serve to protect us in, you know, m- moments of acute stress and, and danger, mm-hmm. but anxiety is a very good signal for things that we need to work on in our lives, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. I tell my clients, um, and I've experienced this myself for, for my own life, <coughs> that there are these trigger points that are, that's where the gold is, right? So if if something is causing you a lot of anxiety, if you find yourself experiencing anxiety around a topic Mm -hmm. or around a situation, that situation or topic or thought is actually a place that you need to zero in on and focus your energy to figure out what is the message here, right? Um, and so I've talked about rational emotive behavioral therapy, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and CBT, cognitive mm-hmm. behavioral therapy, where you're mm-hmm. sort of figuring out the belief system underlying mm-hmm. the automatic thoughts that pop up. Mm-hmm. Well, that belief system, um, it, it gets a little haywire sometimes, you know? Can a person's belief system <laughs> cause, them, cause them to have elevated anxiety? For sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that is the, that's the, the benefit of therapy is developing a new neural pathway out, out of that belief system, you know, developing a new perspective and a new belief yeah. um, that is more grounded in, I don't want to say in reality, but like Hel- healthy um, perspectives, healthy, perspectives. healthy ideologies. Yeah. 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 Because for instance, um, I know a lot of people, I've experienced this myself, they'll take things very personally and that taking things personally causes a lot of anxiety because the person is taking accountability for things that aren't actually theirs to take accountability for, right? Yeah. Um, so if you depersonalize certain experiences with people and really see each person's action, whoever you encounter in your life, yeah. as their own um um, their behaviors are not about you. They're about that person's experience in the world. Yeah. Um, and, and you can reduce your anxiety developing that new perspective, right? 
I used to take things very personally. I do not take anything mm-hmm. personally anymore. But um, that's kind of codependent stuff, which is a whole other topic. But but that can cause so much anxiety for people. And anxiety mm-hmm. manifests itself differently, too. Like, it, mm-hmm. the anxiety that I'm talking about in, in that way might be more of a cognitive anxiety, mm-hmm. whereas sometimes you can feel a really visceral physical anxiety. Yeah. Right. And the cognitive anxiety is one where you go down the rabbit hole and it's that cognitive dissonance. You just cannot stop thinking about something yeah. and um, and not being able to stop thinking about something um, can then translate into um, distress. Right. Yeah. Um, if you can't let something go anyway, is that making sense? Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. Can, can you talk a little bit about kind of what the physical manifestations of anxiety are? So for our listeners who might be experiencing uh, anxiety um, uh, on, a, on, a, on a consistent or semi-consistent basis, we'll mm-hmm. kind of know, uh, you know, I, I guess have a better understanding of, of what they're experiencing um, yeah. because um, we've talked a lot about, in the past, in past podcast episodes, we've talked about the mind body connection, right? What yeah. starts in the mind, it, if it's not treated or addressed mm-hmm. can eventually carry over to the body and vice versa. So anxiety starts in the mind, right? But if it's not managed effectively well, or treated, would, let me make my fucking point. <laughs> the, okay, if it's but, not treated, yeah. if it's not treated properly and it lingers, it can eventually carry over to the body. Right. Yeah. And yeah. It, even, in, even with acute anxiety, Right. A person who's experiencing, you know, kind of a healthy, acute anxiety. Let's say they have an exam. They're taking their finals during, you know, they're they're in college or uh, there's the first day on a new job. Um, They might be experiencing acute anxiety and that that carries with it physical symptoms. Right. And so or can carry Mm -hmm. can cause physical symptoms. So what are some of the physical, the the common physical symptoms or physical manifestations of uh, acute anxiety? So let me go back to when you told me to shut up. Um, I think that um, there. It was liberating. It's fine. Sorry. I accept uh, it. It's yeah. fine. But I, I think it's that. It's the glum of it talking. It's totally yeah. fine. Um, fuck you, but it's fine. Oh, no, I I'm just great. <laughs> Now we're really getting somewhere. <laughs> um, it is. It doesn't necessarily start in the thought processes. It mm. may sometimes start in mm. the nervous system in yeah almost imperceptible yeah. triggers in your environment. So some people might argue it starts in the amygdala or it's, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and then there are thoughts that follow, right? Well, that's what I meant. It, start, it starts in the mind. Well, right? the body mind. Yeah. yeah. But the, the nervous system. Yeah. So, so some imperceptible um, unconscious thing is occurring in, in the environment that's triggering some sort of reaction yeah. in you. And then you develop some thoughts about it, and yes. then you sort of go down yeah. the rabbit hole. Of- and and and, and so- anxiety, while it starts in the mind, right? It it, it's, it can be triggered by something in one's environment, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a stressor in the environment. That's oftentimes what happens. But in, many times, you know, anxiety can be mass- manifested from within. Right. Someone can just be thinking obsessively yeah. about, again, their first day on the job, a new, on a new job and not wanting to mess up. And that can cause them anxiety. Yeah. Now, I don't know. Maybe it's a bad example because one might argue that it is the new environment that's causing them stress. But the point I was trying to make is that so, sometimes uh, the uh, anxiety can not be triggered by an environmental stressor, but rather just thoughts or ideas that someone is having that is causing them distress. Sure. In sure, any sure. event. Yeah. 
What does it look like? What does it look like? How does it manifest physically? So I'll give you an example. Sweaty palms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you go. Uh, You took mine. That was was the one. Uh, Elevated heart rate. Good one. Good one. Um, uh, Let's see. Let me. Hyperventilating. Hyperventilating. Yes. Having trouble breathing. Uh, uh, A feeling like there's a pressure on your chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like someone is sitting on your chest. Shaking. Very good one. Very good one. Rapid speech or difficulty or, focusing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, difficulty focusing, rapid speech mm. or difficulty speaking. Mm. Right. I, I've worked with uh, clients over the years who, when they've had to speak publicly, um, kind of choke up. They're, 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 mm. they're, 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 they're ex- experiencing anxiety and their, their, their throat tightens up so they can't speak mm. as some, comfortably. Some stutter. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, my father famously, um, my father is deceased now, but, uh, Rest in peace uh, to I, Hugh Fox. I really, really wish he was alive to participate in the podcast because he was very entertaining. Yeah, but he's not, so whatever. Um, his, but his 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 uh, his treatment modality for anxiety is he he would just you know beat the hell out of you. Right? He would just beat <laughs> it right out of you. Simple as that. Right? Um, and then you're fine the next day. You walk it off. Yeah, Dad, I've got anxiety. Shut up, you wimp. Just walk Shut it off. The, yeah, you got. Actually, tough. it sounds more like my father. You gotta be tough. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm I'm tough, Dad. So yeah. don't worry about me yeah. as yeah. I shake in the yeah. corner. Anyway, yeah. so um but, trauma will be the topic of our next episode. Childhood right. trauma will be the topic of our next yeah. podcast. Which really contributes to anxiety. Yeah. Anyway, um, but he had a stutter when he was younger. Your father did. Yeah, he yeah. had a stutter. He was abused yeah. um by his mother. Yeah. Um and his environment, uh, South Chicago in nineteen thirty, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he had a stutter and, uh, most definitely born of anxiety. And, uh, the way that he overcame that was that he would speak in an accent that wasn't a Chicago accent because, you know, people argue, well, what's an accent? Everybody's got an accent. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Let's be PC. Specifically, he would make up like a German accent yeah. in order to to get a, a ticket for the the train yeah. uh, to get back home. Um, so, and I remember him describing his anxiety. Um, uh, he was a very very anxious person. He didn't sleep very well up until the the day he died. Almost, it was just Mister Anxiety. But he um, uh, said that it, he was a professor, and at one point he remembered that there was this period of time that he was walking over to class one day and he started to have anxiety about possibly having a stutter. And he was like, Jesus fucking Christ, Fox, shut the fuck up. He was talking to himself, practicing cognitive behavioral therapy on himself, walking across campus going, shut the fuck up, Fox. (laughs) (laughs) So like, um, it it truly, those thoughts, you know, People have anxiety about having anxiety. That, honestly, at the core of it all is that. People don't like discomfort. Discomfort is not comfortable. I know that sounds stupid, but, like, it's anxiety about having anxiety. People have, people, people get nervous thinking about being uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, for sure. The thought of being uncomfortable makes people nervous and evokes anxiety. And then they avoid situations, and then that further reinforces the fear of that situation, right? And then their mind starts racing. They start thinking about how they're going to manage that that, that uncomfortable circumstance or situation. And that leads to additional thoughts 
yeah. uh, fearful thoughts, right, yeah. and ideas. Uh, and the mind can spiral, right? Oh, and the next thing easily. you know, you've got elevated anxiety and you're and you're sweating, yeah. you're nervous, your heart is racing. You could even throw up. Yeah. You can, oh, diarrhea. Diarrhea is a, a that, that. Yeah, is, v- yeah. vomiting and diarrhea it, it are also symptoms of elevated anxiety. The most, I think, extreme uh, physical manifestation of anxiety is, are, are, what are, are what are called panic attacks. Right. Well, and, and people can even have seizures. Yeah. Um, I have a friend who's yeah. who's a son, and I won't mention names, and it'll be very abstract. Well, thank but, you for being um, HIPAA compliant on our podcast. <laughs> well, this is a friend. I thought that was a given. It's a yeah. friend's not a client. No. But but her son has uh, little seizures because of his anxiety. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it can get to the point where yeah. you are physically... Um, you know, compromised because of your anxiety. And And that is one of, I think there are 10 or so uh, anxiety disorders and panic panic disorder is one of them, right? And panic disorder is an anxiety anxiety disorder in which the person's anxiety uh, is so overwhelming that they, it induces a panic attack. The person has difficulty breathing. They can't speak. They can't function, and it could even lead to them losing consciousness, yeah. throwing up, diarrhea, as you said. But in the worst, in kind of the most, the worst possible scenario, losing consciousness and passing out. In the the, the show, The Sopranos, very popular show. Mm-hmm. Tony Soprano, the protagonist of the show, was a a, a, a man who suffered from. Uh, uh, panic attacks and he was in therapy and for those of you who have not uh, watched the show I won't spoil it for you but in in therapy he he comes to find that uh, his panic uh, attacks were uh, stemmed from a childhood trauma Uh, and uh, he uh, suffered a couple panic attacks uh, over the course of of the six seasons of the show one in which a couple of which he passed out he lost consciousness in one case he was driving a car had a panic attack and almost passed out. So um, anxiety disorders, if not treated, right, especially panic disorder, can be very dangerous. Because yeah. if you're driving and you yeah. suffer uh, and you suffer a panic attack, you can lose consciousness yeah. and get into an accident, or you can, you know, fall and hit your head. So these well, are very, very dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, these are very, very dangerous mental health conditions um, that can lead to bodily injury or worse if not treated effectively. Well, that I don't think is going to help people feel better. Well, I'm trying to underscore, you know, the, I'm, I'm trying to under, sorry, people, sorry, people, sorry for those of you out there You're who are struggling with anxiety. Uh, well, we're all going to die one day. It's just a matter of how, but. You're going to Die um, driving across a bridge because you've had a panic attack and well, you're going to into the ocean. Well, it's. It's possible, but yes, it's so, unlikely. But that leads me to It's to unlikely, this. but I, what I was trying to do there is just underscore the serious, seriousness yes. so, so that, uh, of, that, of, these, of, these, of these physical manifestations But of that's anxiety. a good segue yeah. into cognitive distortions, yeah. right? Uh, which we all experience yeah. in, in some way or another. Yeah. Um, when we have anxiety, when we are triggered in some way, um, we tend to, again, we very easily have a negativity bias, but we can very easily um, fall into the trappings of certain ways of thinking. So yeah. I have a lot of clients that will say, yeah, I'm just overthinking. And I said, I disagree. I don't think it's that you're overthinking. It's the quality of your thinking. So I assigned them um, to, you know, 
observe what they're thinking and write down what they're thinking and um do you know some qualitative research on themselves like you know what are you thinking and then i give them a list of the you know cognitive distortions like black and white thinking all or nothing thinking right jumping to conclusions um and so in the midst of them quote unquote overthinking if they take if they pause and assess the quality of the thinking, yeah. um, they can assign then a label to the type of thought that they're having and go, oh, you know what? You're right. I am yeah. thinking in very black and white terms. I am doing a lot of all or nothing thinking. Yeah. Um, and so the goal then um, is to bring them into more of a gray space. We're, yeah. not, we're not going to one pole or the other, but yeah. we're rather in the middle somewhere with, um, you know, a, a less sort of drastic or dramatic or high stakes kind of um, thinking yeah. to try to um, bring peace to, mm-hmm. to whatever situation it might be, you know, and I employ radical acceptance too. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, so something bad is happening. Um, something bad is, is happening in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, you not accepting it or pushing it away is an added stress. Mm -hmm. So if you um, accept whatever circumstance you're given, accept the thought that you're having, um, then you can address the thought that you're having. You can, you can um, find a a different way of thinking about it. It doesn't mean that it's not sad sometimes. And yeah, I had a long conversation with a client the other day about that. They have a Mm -hmm. situation that they were, um, Everybody's always trying to talk them out of it. Well, at least it's this, or at least it's that, or, yeah. but you're very good despite it. And, yeah. and, uh, and I was like, you're not really ever given the space to just sort of experience that grief because everybody's trying to pull you out of feeling bad about things. Yeah. It's okay to feel bad. Yeah. Is there anything good about your circumstance? They're like, no, there really isn't. I was like, so it sucks. Okay. So we're going to accept that it sucks. Um, and the thing is, is when you get into that, like, um, it sucks and therefore everything else also sucks, that's black and white thinking. And that's the goal is, um, that sucks. We're going to fully accept that whatever that circumstance is awful. There's Mm -hmm. nothing good about it, but, or, and it's very popular and not, but, but, and Mm -hmm. you can simultaneously hold that very bad thing that's going on. And then also um, simultaneously recognize that there are good things surrounding you, right? It's not all or nothing. Rarely is it ever all or nothing. Life is really complex. And nobody escapes shitty things. Everybody experiences shitty things. But it's not one person experiencing all shitty things. And when you are feeling... um, when you're in that mode of thinking, it just further exacerbates anxiety that you're already having or depression or whatever. So trying to um, work on, you know, how you think about things is really important in terms of anxiety. So cognitive distortions. So the manifestation of anxiety, it it takes many forms. There's cognitive anxiety, there's physical anxiety. Um, Ultimately the goal is to find sort of a, a place where you can experience the anxiety, but not be overtaken by the anxiety. Yeah. And, and, um, that's really 
it takes a lot of work to evaluate how you're thinking. Um, but ultimately it's really beneficial and you develop a sense of peace that you didn't have prior to that. I've seen this happen in clients. Um, I, I have, you know, a few long-term clients that, you know, we like to do little reviews and, um, it's just amazingly, uh, it's, it's brilliant to see someone go from that all or nothing, um, very black and white negative space into more of a sort of an even keel, you know, yeah, that's true. That's really scary. But then there's yeah. also like, uh, you know, the tulips are blooming. I don't know what the fuck it is, you know, yeah. but you know what I mean? Yeah. Sort of balancing things out a little bit. Well, would you say that, uh, that, uh, when it comes to treating anxiety, the most, the most, uh, effective, uh, therapeutic modality is, uh, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, or DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy? They're all really useful. Dialectical behavior therapy is really great at dealing with that, um, those really intense emotions um, that people experience, that very, you know, um, black and white thinking. Um, It's very Eastern and sort of um, non-dualistic, but CBT is great. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't like it mm-hmm. because they feel like you're gaslighting yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where I feel like radical acceptance comes in. Mm-hmm. And because we're not denying that things suck. Yeah. Things really suck sometimes. Yeah. We're accepting that they suck. We're not trying to talk ourselves out of, of you know, whatever circumstance you're having anxiety about. Um but we're accepting it. And then rational emotive behavior therapy deals with the, you know, the underlying beliefs and disputing the beliefs. But yeah. it's the same thing with cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. And for, and for our uh, listeners who uh, aren't aware or don't understand what uh, the cognitive behavioral therapy is, it's a, it's a uh, evidence-based therapeutic modality that is very effective in, in treating anxiety and other, other, uh, other uh, mental disorders like uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, for example, um, and basically it it it, um, it it posits that you know uh, our behaviors are impacted and dicta- significantly and even dictated by our thought processes, our thought processes, and so uh, thinking impacts behavior, right? So if you want to change your behavior, you have to first change your thinking or your thought process. Yeah, right? positive thoughts, healthy thinking lead to positive, healthy behaviors, right? Um, it's a lot more, it's a little bit more complicated than that, but that's that's kind of CBT in a nutshell, mm-hmm. right? Ultimately, if you want to achieve more positive outcomes in life, healthier outcomes, right? Uh, by having healthier uh, uh, behaviors, you have to first start with your thinking, your thought process. Yeah, right? yeah. And you have to change that. And that's a lot easier said than done, but you know, that's- I had a, a client- um, describe them, their brains as wily. Yeah. It's like, my brain is pretty wily, though. And, you know, we're dealing with a lot of really intelligent, creative people yeah. who are fantastic at getting themselves into very um, complex um, thought processes that yeah. they have a difficult time getting out of. I myself experienced a situation a couple summers ago where I... I described it as feeling like I was in a maze that I couldn't get out of. 
And so I would visualize a helicopter coming to rescue me out of the maze because I just Mm. could not stop thought processes, you know? Um, So it it is not an easy endeavor. Mm. I mean, I've had people in therapy for three years who are on the other side of the acute anxiety symptoms. But that's, there's a lot of processing. And so you have one, maybe two hours a week with the therapist. But in in that time that you're away from the therapist, Mm -hmm. living your life, you're you're working on it. You're thinking about it. You're developing a new perspective and really, really drilling down. Yeah. It, it is not for the, it is not a uh, non-committal endeavor. You have to be really committed to change. Yeah. Because, um, and nobody's going to do it for you. Yeah. You know, therapists facilitate. Yeah. Uh, medication can assist, yeah. but you have to do the work. You have to be willing, you to, have to, be willing yeah. to let go of some of your very deeply entrenched beliefs, which yeah. is extremely difficult. It's and that you, in itself is anxiety. And you have to be willing to engage in self-reflection on, on a consistent basis uh, uh, in order to kind of identify components of your thought process that are causing you stress, causing you anxiety, right? Yeah. Toxic thoughts and ideas and ideologies that maybe you adopted through cultural and social osmosis, right? We've all, uh, we've all been conditioned to believe certain things, certain ideas, certain truths, certain values. Um, and for some of us, those ideas, those, those values, those ideologies that we've adopted from our families, from our communities, um, they are at odds or incongruent with our own values and needs, right? And that 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 uh, incongruency can cause anxiety, can cause stress. How do you reconcile your own needs and your own desire to live a certain lifestyle with the ideologies and values that you've been conditioned to believe in and adhere to, right? So, um, in, in order to uh, overcome anxiety learn to manage it more effectively, it is necessary to engage in uh, consistent self-reflection in which you identify components of your thinking that are causing you stress. And you have to have, I think, the courage to question those ideologies and those ideas and deconstruct them and replace them with newer, healthier ideas. That is a significant component of, of cognitive, the cognitive behavioral therapy process. And alleviating your anxiety or eliminating it over the long run. Yeah. The deconstruction and rejection of unhealthy ways of thinking, right? Which are based on or rooted in unhealthy, toxic ideologies, right? Uh, Basic tenets of, 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 of thinking that we all kind of take for granted. It could be religion. It could be, uh, a cultural value. It, it, it could be something that your parents talk to you right? I, about, about how to live and how to behave. I, uh, I've said this before and I'll say it again, that I think a lot of anxiety um, comes from people not recognizing the need to set boundaries or not knowing that they can boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries are an issue for a lot of people. And yeah. you brought up religion and that's what triggered that thought is that, um, there's some religions that um, 
don't allow any bodily autonomy and people are conditioned to believe that they don't have um, boundaries, right? And and in that system, um, you know, there there is a church that will say, you know, you are of the body of the church. If you're not in this church, yeah. then then the church is not whole. You you know, and and you're um, uh, encouraged to confess, and you're a sinner from the beginning. Like you're always being watched. You don't have any autonomy, yeah. and I, that is. That is uh that's not okay because when, then when you go out into the world um from that foundation you don't know that you can say no to things. Yeah. You don't know that you um don't have to agree with what's being said to you or what's being done to you. Yeah. Um and um I think that we could do an entire podcast on that. Yeah. Um the idea of boundaries and yeah. bodily autonomy yeah. and but well, i think a lot of anxiety comes from that yeah well and, and people uh when it comes to uh endeavoring to identify kind of unhealthy or toxic components of our foundational understanding uh, of how uh, uh we should operate and behave and, uh, and live in the world um, and working to deconstruct them that's very difficult for people because it takes a lot of courage to deacons to challenge these foundational mm-hmm. ideas that we've been conditioned to uh, believe in and, and emotionally invest in. And it takes quite a bit of self-reflection and courage to deconstruct them and even reject them. And some people don't ever even think about the possibility of doing that, of rejecting ideologies, ideas, ways of thinking they've, that they've adopted right, as a result of their social and cultural conditioning, they don't ever stop to think that it's possible to (laughs) deconstruct these ideas. And so they never do. And so they never get to the root of what is causing them distress and anxiety. But but therapy can help with that by engaging in therapy, right, and having a therapist that challenges you, encourages you to engage in self-reflection and to help you identify toxic kind of thought processes and ideas and ideologies, you can, right, you can, with the support of a therapist and a true full commitment to the therapeutic process, you can identify toxic ways of thinking and deconstruct them and replace those ideas with healthier ways of thinking. But as as Alexandra said, and we can't underscore this enough, you have to be fully committed to the process. It takes time and it takes courage and you need both. I think yeah. you need both. If if the consequence of you um, letting go of certain ideologies is that you're going to go to hell and and be tortured for eternity, yeah. that that's kind it's kind of a that's a, that's one hell of a of an incentive to not self reflect or question yeah, I mean, your that's ideas. Really, right? really scary. Yeah, and if you think about um, older, you know, social structures, and still in in some communities, this is true. Yeah. Um, the consequence of you going against it is you lose your entire uh, community. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. Uh, Catholic church. Yeah. I just feel yeah. like it, you know, it, that is how they have abused people. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it is very, it, it is very, very difficult to mm-hmm. go against um, ideologies that you've been brought up with and then to further explore 
um, how you might think differently if you're going to lose your entire foundation. That's really scary. Yeah. But the basis of a lot of anxiety truly is yeah. rooted in, um, in lack of boundaries, yeah. um, lack of autonomy. Um, I mean, it is, it, or the idea of, uh, the idea of, of a lack of autonomy, right? yeah. you may have more autonomy or the ability to uh, develop or, or gain more autonomy than you realize, but you don't yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. possible. Yeah. You're disempowered. Yes. So you're, you're basically, yeah, like you're hobbled. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, one of my goals as a therapist is to, um, help people empower themselves. That's like my major goal is when I, I, I love, love, love when people finally understand how much power they have yeah. and, you know, helping them to deconstruct um, certain social situations that they've been in, yeah. um, abuse that they're experiencing, and to see their eyes light up or their voice change yeah. when they're like, oh, I see, um, I'm yeah. I'm being mistreated or that isn't true. and. Yeah. But it, it is so difficult um, to to gain power when you feel yeah. that you don't have it. Yeah. So, but yeah, once you develop the ability um, to empower yourself, mm-hmm. you can a hundred percent not feel anxiety in the way that you once did, not yeah. not perceive it in the way that you once did. Yeah. Anxiety is, um, you know perpetrators or systems um who does it who does it benefit to um to oppress who does it benefit to abuse it doesn't benefit the oppressed or the abused benefits the the system that's oppressing or the person that's taking advantage of situations And, and so um once a person realizes that they are actually um have power they can empower themselves, pull themselves up out of situations and their anxiety truly does dissipate. I've seen it happen. Yeah. It's really, really something. You you can learn to uh, uh, manage your anxiety more effectively and even overcome it, right? Uh, through uh, con- a commitment to the therapeutic process and consistent yeah. self-reflection. If you do the work, and you are committed and patient, you will see results. Yeah. Right. We talked about some of the, um, uh, some of the, uh, anxiety, some anxiety disorders earlier. I mentioned panic disorder, but there's also generalized anxiety disorder, mm-hmm. social anxiety disorder, agoraphobia. Right. Um, uh, and these are all, uh, anxiety disorders that have specific diagnostic criteria Right. And are triggered by different circumstances. Social anxiety disorder is exactly what it sounds like. Right. It's anxiety, elevated anxiety that is brought on by uh, uh, engaging in certain social environments. Right. Yeah. Uh, or with sm- small groups of people, large groups of people. Right. Um, uh, and people struggle with these anxiety disorders throughout their lives. Right. Wow. Uh, for, for years and decades uh, before seeking treatment. So. Um, of course, you know, there, there's, there's uh, a stigma associated with mental illness still to this day in 2023, and that prevents people from getting treatment for other mental illnesses, uh, including well, anxiety disorders. But it is, it's imperative uh, if you feel like you are struggling with your anxiety, it is imperative that you seek out mental health 
treatment, right? Well, people have been led to believe that they are the problem, and yeah. you know, um, that goes back to Pat Benatar's album cover. Yeah. But like, the the perpetrator in your life, yeah. the the oppressor in your life, the system that that um, oppresses you will never take accountability and for what they're doing you can't get validation from them and therefore you have to um develop a a new awareness about your power and once you do that then you can overcome a lot of uh of the, the the problems that would prompt someone to go to therapy in the first place. But I I think that a lot of people have been led to believe that they actually, um, that they're the problem and that it's not fixable. A lot of things. Correct. You're absolutely right. And that, and that prevents them, uh, that that serves as an obstacle to, uh, to engaging in therapy and reaching out for support and assistance. Uh, people will also seek out other kind of forms of relief, you know, substance abuse or other, uh, uh, ways of uh, kind of um, unhealthy ways of, of managing uh, their 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 uh, struggles with anxiety, um, uh, and and that that typically just serves to exacerbate the problem over the long run. Um, but a lot of anxiety disorders, uh, almost I think I think most anxiety disorders stem are rooted in trauma. They stem from trauma, yeah. right? And so yeah. it's never the individual's fault. It's never the person's fault, no. right? Uh, they are the the product of circumstance, right? Their experiences, their environments that have uh, instilled uh, in them, right? This uh, this uh, un- this un- unease or a fear of a certain uh, environmental stressor or situation that they uh, have not learned to to uh, kind of manage, right? To dispute. Yeah. And, and, a lot, and a lot of anxiety, you know, a lot of anxiety, whether it's just kind of healthy elevated anxiety or, or the symptoms of an anxiety disorder, they're very unconscious, right? People are triggered by stressors in their environment and they don't have any control over the elevation of their anxiety uh, or these symptoms. It just happens in the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't know what's happening to you, uh, and you, uh, uh, then then it's 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 difficult to to uh, learn how to respond in a healthy way to your anxiety, right? And to learn how to manage it when you experience it. Right? And as I said earlier, these the physical manifestations of anxiety can be very debilitating. Um, yeah. And I can't underscore enough the importance of of learning how to manage anxiety because again in the most extreme circumstances where someone has panic disorder and they uh, suffer from panic attacks they can quite literally lose consciousness and fall and hurt themselves or something yeah. so it's it's incredibly important uh, that uh, that uh, you seek out uh, uh, treatment and support for your anxiety even if it's kind of a normal even if it's anxiety that kind of manifests within generally healthy parameters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still important to seek out support uh, for how to best manage. Well, like there are people that have yeah. test taking anxiety. Yeah. A pretty simple solution are the beta blockers. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that that actually directly address the physical symptoms of yeah. anxiety. Yeah. So your you know your heart doesn't yeah. race and yeah. your palms don't sweat. 
Yeah. You literally just kind of get zeroed out and yeah. you can just go in and take a test. Well, so, some people can ma- can learn to manage their anxiety without the assistance of medication, but some people truly need medication yeah. to help manage their anxiety, at least in the interim while they're in therapy and learning yeah, yeah, uh, right. how and, and, and learning like how to use CBT to, to, to manage their anxiety over the long run. Right. Yeah, it's but, like using crutches when you have a sprained ankle, you yeah. want to be sure to help yourself yeah um, it takes a long it takes a long time to get to and to come to terms with the root uh, of your anxiety it takes a long time to identify the root of your anxiety to come to terms with it and to learn how to effectively manage it especially if the root of your anxiety is a trauma it can take months even years uh, to come to terms with the trauma and to learn how to effectively manage the anxiety without the use of, of medication so patience and commitments are key Right. Um, I hate to say it, but uh, I think I think we're coming to. Are we out of time? Yeah, I think we're out. I think we are out of time. Well, I think this was a fantastic episode. Yeah, good. And uh, I hope our listeners uh, learned a little bit more about anxiety uh, tonight as a result of this podcast. Uh, uh, And of course, uh, uh, we will be back soon with another uh, podcast episode. And, we'll talk uh, more about anxiety. I think, you know, yeah. you mentioned panic disorder a few times and yeah. then the anxiety disorder sort of, you know, that are more specific. Yeah. Um, agoraphobia. Yeah. That's one of my favorite yeah. ones. In our next um, podcast episode, maybe we can go into more detail about specific anxiety disorders. Yeah, yeah. I think that that would be great. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, that's uh, that concludes another episode of the po- Compass Rogue podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And, uh, We'll see you next time. Okay. See you next time. Um, have a good evening.